everyone, welcome to another episode of What is a Podcast. Really, really milked that one a little bit. But welcome to What is a Podcast, a podcast where I talk about current events. This is what it is now, is like a current events slash sports news slash whatever I want to talk about um, slash me. But um, yeah, welcome to this. If this is your first time here, welcome. If this is your second or more time here, um, thank you for for continuing to fuck with me when you could listen to anybody else, literally anybody else, and you're listening to me, so thank you. Um, yeah, this has been an interesting week. I feel like the news, at least like stuff that I feel like capable of talking about or like want to talk about is is not you know substantial there's not a lot of meaty news um but quick update um i post these videos on youtube like i post a podcast on youtube and that takes a really long time and i'm not complaining about it taking a really long time but i need to update if you access this on youtube which i can see the stats on youtube very easily so i know that not many people access this on YouTube. But if you are accessing this on YouTube, it's probably a lot later than it's actually posted right now because this is quarantine, this is coronavirus 2020. Um, and because of that, I'm working from home, right? I'm doing a lot of stuff from home, which means I'm doing stuff on my computer. And normally that wouldn't be a problem except i am video chatting all the time right i feel like some people like they have like one maybe two meetings where they have to actually video chat and then the rest of it is either like typing clickety clacketing or like on a regular straight up phone call but they're not video chatting all the time for me i have to video chat all the time like if i work like a normal work day like 95% of that day, the camera is on me. So because of that, it takes a lot of, you know, brain power from my computer, right? My computer works really hard to keep the program running, like the, the video chat program. Plus I have, you know, my Google Chrome running because I need the internet access. So I need to quick look up anything if I need to. I have, you know, a bunch of files. I have a bunch of documents that I need to reference when I'm doing these things. So I'm running a couple things at once on my computer, which means that if I want to upload a video, right, it's in my best interest and my computer's best interest to wait till I'm off of work, which means that I can't really upload and then leave. I have to wait until a day where I'm not using my computer so much, which is Friday. So the goal is now, and my goalposts have been shifting, and this whole coronavirus whatever is shifting my whole life, and it's very, very, very irritating and stressful. But Friday should be the day where I can upload it, and it takes a long time. Like, the podcast audio, like, even, like, if I do a shorter one, like, if I do, like, a quick 40 minutes, right, 
that still takes a long time to upload and process and smooth out and all that stuff, right? That takes a minute. So it takes a long time. So Friday, sometime Friday, if you access this on YouTube again, that's where it's going to be on Friday. If you do not access this on YouTube, then it should go pretty much everywhere at the same time. So you're, you're, the majority is not affected by this, but the minority that goes to YouTube, youtube.com slash altapope, by the way, A-L-T-A-P-O-P-E, by the way. Um, if you do that, then yeah, it's going to be a little bit late. But if that's the only way or your preferred way of listening to podcasts, I cannot, you know, shame you, right? I can't knock you, right? That's how you do it. So you're just going to have to be a little bit late for right now. And my apologies, um, but that's just how it's going to be. Um, usually the YouTube video is always like the last to go up anyway, just because it takes so long. So, um, that's not really like an issue. It's just that it's going to be a lot later than when I actually record this. Like right now it's Sunday night and this is not going to be on my YouTube channel to at earliest Friday. And that's a long time in between those things. That's why I'm concerned. I'm not, I wouldn't be concerned if it was like, a day after recording but since it's you know basically a week you're basically a week behind that's what's concerning to me and that's what I am you know not not really happy with um and maybe that'll change maybe I'll fix that maybe I'll switch my whole schedule around but you know it's hard like I have a lot of time but that time is being filled up you know and when you're working from home when everyone in the building is working from home like you gotta carve out your time where you're not really disturbing people like if people is on the phone people in class people you know doing their thing using the wi-fi all the bandwidth and all that you gotta carve out time by yourself and that happens to be at night for me so yeah anyway that's all that's an update um not really a good update on my part like I wish it wasn't this way but that's what it is um but anyway the news that w- that was just my stuff the news Kim Jong-un what the hell is going on with that guy um because on Twitter moments which is of course the main source of news for you know everyone I feel like at this point on Twitter moments they said Kim Jong-un is in, like, bad shape. They were saying Kim Jong-un is, you know, in the hospital. He's in critical condition. I'm actually going to Google him now just to see what's going on, if there is anything. Um, But Kim Jong-un, Twitter moment said Kim Jong-un is in bad shape. He might die, right? They're saying Kim Jong-un might die. He's not in good shape. The doctors are operating on him. They're trying to fix, like, his heart or something, you know, he, there's a lot of health problems going on with him, and it's been that way for a while, and it's culminating into this sort of bad health condition, like this sort of heart problem, right? Kim Jong-un, by the way, not very old. Kim Jong-un, I'm looking at it right now, 36 years old. Um, So, I mean, maybe the stress of being a dictator gets to you early, and he's been a dictator for a long time at this point so um maybe maybe that's what it is but he's not in good shape and then they said kim jong-un is dead and then 
people were like, oh, Kim Jong-un is dead. How do you feel about this? Because when you, you know, mourn a dead person or when you're talking about a dead person, you're supposed to be like polite about it. But in America, there aren't that many people who are going to be polite about Kim Jong-un in his health, right? People who are, you know, going to talk about Kim Jong-un, they might talk about him from like a a neutral perspective. They might talk about him like just about what he did and who he is, right, as a person. But people are not really going to talk about him like he was a good person, not in America anyway, right? And then when you go and then you see you know, Kim Jong-un dies and you see people who maybe do praise him in America or maybe do see, like, sort of, like, a different side. Because I'm sure, like, there's going to be a different side. It's going to be a very, very small minority. But they're going to say, like, oh, Kim Jong-un wasn't that bad. And then it's like, do you debate about Kim Jong-un or do you just let it go? And I feel like some people are going to debate about Kim Jong-un and his death. I've already seen people make jokes, right, about Kim Jong-un dying and all that stuff. Because Kim Jong-un, like, as terrible as, you know, the actions in North Korea are, and, like, North Korea, to my knowledge, is not, you know, the greatest place to be, right? But I've also seen, I've been around the, the internet block a long time. So I know that there are people who don't necessarily rock with Kim Jong-un, don't necessarily agree with Kim Jong-un, but they're going to be like, look, North Korea isn't as bad as the Western media makes it seem, right? Because they're going to paint it as if Kim Jong-un is at the top and then everyone else lives in shit, right? And then, who knows? I've never been there. I don't see the media there. But because they don't, like, let people in as a very closed country because it's, you know closed off they don't really you know like america so because of all those things we don't really see that so we just sort of have to like believe that north korea is this bad place right and then in my sort of internet block you know perusing i've seen people that are like well what is america America, yes, there are probably more people doing well in America than there are in North Korea. But America, we have a whole bunch of rich people and then way more poor people who are struggling. And how is that much different, right? There are people who are going to come at it from that angle. And then it's like, oh, is Kim Jong-un, is this, are we the same? Is America North Korea? I'm not saying America is North Korea. I'm not saying that, don't. Don't get it twisted. But it's like, oh, it makes you think a little bit. And now I'm like, oh, when Kim Jong-un, if he's dead, if he's not dead, if he's like alive and well, I'm looking at sort of the Google search from Kim Jong-un. Like I just Googled Kim Jong-un and it says that South Korea is saying that these rumors are not true, that he's actually alive. He's not dead. Right. He's just fine. And then it's like, well, well, what's going on, right? Well, how would that even get out? Like, how would that news even get out if he's alive and well and just, just chilling? 
if he's just chilling, right, then what's going on, right? So if that's if that's the case, I don't understand because North Korea is really supposed to be, you know, locked off. So how did that information actually get anywhere, right? If it's not if if they're supposed to be locked off, that doesn't make any sense. Like what type of spy is in North Korea just giving out false rumors if it's not true? If it is true and they're just lying, then why lie, right? Why lie if if the guy is dead, the guy is dead, right? If you're going to have a new leader, then say it, right? I don't see the point in lying from like the government unless you're trying to figure out who the new leader is going to be. And I'm not an expert in these things, right? So maybe there's good reasons for lying. I don't know. But they say that if Kim Jong-un does die, if he is dead, then his sister, and now I have to look up his sister's name. Uh, I should have done that. If you look at his sister, who is Kim Yo-jong? Kim Yo-jong, right? So Kim Yo-jong is going to be the leader, right? I don't know how they decide that because I'm looking at Kim Jong-un's siblings and it says Kim Jong-chul, a brother, Kim Sol-sung, a sister, Kim Jong-nam, another brother. So there are four siblings. I don't know how they choose who which sibling gets uh, gets to go up to bat, but that's going to be the next person. And I've already seen people say like Kim Yo-jong is hot and it's like oh no she's hot like i have to thirst over kim yo jong no you don't you don't like at the end of the day right i think that kim jong-un is a bad guy i think the north korean government is bad right so i'm not gonna be like oh now that they have a hot leader north korea is all of a sudden good again or just because the leader is hot means that North Korea is going to get his act together. That's that's ridiculous. But I've already seen people like make like memes and things that could be construed as serious where it's like, yo, Kim Yo Jong, date me. <laughs> like that's what people are sort of like leaning towards. And I'm saying you don't have to do that, right? Especially not in America where the idea of North Korea is negative right we made a whole movie where people killed kim jong-un where we had seth rogan and james franco although seth rogan is not american you have to remember that seth rogan is a canadian but you had those guys run up and try to kill kim jong-un we made a whole movie about that type of stuff so you don't have to do that right for your own you know social standing you don't have to thirst over kim yo-jong i'm looking at it right now she's married She's not interested in you anyway. Um, but I was looking on Twitter and people were saying that Kim Yo-jong might be more feared than Kim Jong-un. Like Kim Yo-jong is like an iron fist. So watch out, right? Don't don't get on Kim Yo-jong's bad side. Don't flirt with Kim Yo-jong because if you piss her off, she'll just, you know, bring the iron fist down and ruin your life. But it's just strange. Like, why lie, right? Why have multiple stories? Someone's lying, right? 
No matter what's going on in North Korea, whether he's alive or he's not alive, someone lied, right? Someone either jumped the gun and said he's dead when he wasn't, or someone created a whole lie, right? And said he was gravely ill when he was fine at all, or he is dead and someone's lying and saying that he's still alive. And they're saying that the South Koreans are saying that Kim Jong-un is alive. That's coming from South Korea, according to this Google search in a headline. I did not read the article. I'm just looking at the headline that says he is still alive, right? Why would the South Koreans lie? They, I don't know what reasons they would have to lie, right? It doesn't make sense. There's, uh, there's no immediate reason other than North Korea would, you know, threaten them with some type of military action if they told the truth and then they ordered them to lie that's the only thing but if there's not any of that if he's actually dead then say it right and mourn him in north korea how you would mourn him i don't know um but anyway it was just interesting because i've seen people already say like one glad he's dead there are people that are glad he's dead there are people that are like look America is not that much better than North Korea. And you have a bad idea of North Korea. It's all propaganda, which is interesting because we sort of accept in America that North Korea is kind of all propaganda, right? That Kim Jong-un is just propagandizing all the citizens. And because they don't know anything other than North Korea, they just are like cool with it. Um, and we sort of think that it's all propaganda. But if it's you know, a little bit of propaganda over here, kind of fishy. Um, and then there are people that are just being like, that are just trying to wait it out. They're just asking questions they don't know. And they're still on the fence about it. Um, but tell me one, I wonder what the happiness rates are in North Korea, if that's even available. Because North Korea, as it's sort of, you know, locked off, and they don't really know a whole lot of what's going on outside, at least I if I can um, recall, they don't really know. Let's see. World Happiness Report, Wikipedia. Let's see. And I'm going to just quick find North Korea. North Korea is not on the Wikipedia page. It's not there, right? I'm Yeah, there's no ranking for North Korea over there. Let's see. I'm going to go to the second one. North Korea Happiness Index. There's no data for the happiness in North Korea. So, which figures, but I wonder how how happy people are that live there. If you're in like a closed off country that has like its own media companies and they don't really bang with any other country like that, I wonder what the happiness rates are there. I wonder how they would rank if there was any data on that. But anyway, Enough about North Korea. Enough about that that serious stuff. Enough about that stuff. I'm I'm not a world leader. I'm not a politician. I did major in global studies, but I did not specialize in Korea. So my knowledge of Korea is not, you know, deep. It's just sort of speculation at this point. But on to something a little bit more fun, but actually kind of not really. And that's the NFL draft. Um, the NFL draft happened this week, right? This weekend, um, you know, and they televised the whole thing. I only watched the first round. I was not really interested 
in watching rounds two through six and I never really am. I'm interested in watching the first round because those are, in theory, the best players. So the first round, and I am a Raiders fan, the new Las Vegas Raiders, and we had two picks in the first round. So I was interested in how the NFL draft was going to go. And first, I wanted to talk about, like, sort of the setup because we ha- they basically have to do video chat at this point, right, because of the virus. And I didn't mind the whole video chat thing. And I don't think a lot of people mind. And I remember when this whole thing started and people were trying to to push their content, right? Trying to create what they, they're best at creating, but doing it in a new way. Like still make their show, but do it with Zoom or do it through Skype or whatever it is, right? And I'm adjusting myself. I'm, you know, coronavirus quarantine. You have to record in different spots. So sorry if you hear a little bit of the little the little rubs and scrubs. But when you when you have like your your new setup, your lower technology, but what you have to do at the time, everything basically turned into NBA desktop, which is on the ringer, like YouTube channel. Like, basically, everything turned into NBA desktop, which is basically they have a Google Doc and some Google Hangouts or whatever, and they just talk about basketball, right? That's what NBA desktop is, essentially. And every single show became NBA desktop. And the draft, largely, is NBA desktop. It's more high-tech than NBA desktop. And I'm sure they're not using, like, Zoom or Google Docs. I'm, I'm sure they're using some type of sophisticated, locked program that has, you know, a lot of heavy-hitting bandwidth and good Wi-Fi. And everyone in the NFL, like, at least at the higher-up levels, they all have money. So I'm sure they can afford, like, a secure connection of some sort. But... It seemed interesting that, like, I don't see anyone who minded it. I don't see anyone who disliked doing the draft this way. And it made me think, like, is the draft in its previous form where we have, like, a bunch of people traveling to one place, like, one big arena, like it was supposed to be in Las Vegas. And, no, it was in Nashville in recent years. Um, I don't remember exactly, but I know it was in Vegas and they have like a big sort of setup and the NBA does this thing too. Baseball draft is a really big crapshoot and no one really watches a baseball draft like that. And I say that as baseball being my favorite sport, so don't come for me. But the, the NFL and the NBA, they make like sort of theater out of the draft right like they have an audience they have reactions they have you know people booing Roger Goodell they have all that stuff and it wasn't like that this year and I don't think it was bad like there were still fans there were still reactions there were still memes there's reactions from players who get drafted families girlfriends who took a rough 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 L a rough L for the girlfriends. Um, girlfriends were getting thrown around left and right, getting curved, mugged off, getting outshone by parents and players. It was a rough night for the girlfriends, round one of the, the NFL draft. But overall, I think it was good. I think it was entertaining. 
um, as entertaining as a draft can be, I think people overblow like how entertaining the draft actually is. And that's why I don't really watch later on because like it's cool for a while, but then like you get to like pick 22 and you're like, okay, I'm over this. And then on like pick 27, you're like, okay, it's almost done. And then we get to pick 32, it's done. And you're like, okay, some teams did well, some teams did not do well, whatever. And then, you know, you can't really judge like how well a draft is until the players actually play. Like you can't call a player a bust before they play an actual game. But you can tell like who maybe jumped the gun a little bit, who didn't jump the gun, who was too safe, who took an appropriate amount of risk. And as a Raiders fan, I'm all right with my draft. I'm all right with the Raiders draft in the first round and beyond. We'll see how the guys shake out. But basically what the Raiders did, if you're interested in my Raiders analysis, so they took three offensive skill players. They took two wide receivers and a guy who is probably at the NFL level going to be a wide receiver, but maybe a running back, maybe like a special teams guy, maybe a returner, who knows, but like sort of like a a gadget, like a Swiss army knife type of player. So they took three of those guys, right? Only one of those guys has to be good, right? And then they took three sort of defensive skill players, I guess, defensive players. They took two pure defensive backs, two cornerbacks, and one guy who plays linebacker slash safety, like another sort of versatile piece, right? Something that can fit in in several different areas, right? Got three of those guys, and then they got an offensive lineman. They got a guard, I believe. Here's my thing, right? And I don't watch enough college football. I don't have the the homework on all of those guys, right? And I think what my my thinking is also applies to other NFL teams, right? Is that you just need two of those guys to be good, right? The Raiders, they drafted three offense, three defense, then one offensive line, like one, you know, trenches guy, but three skill players on offense, three skill players on defense, right? You just need two of them to be good. You need one offensive guy to be good. You need one defensive guy to be good, right? And if those guys are good, right? Like if your first round draft picks, like if your two first round draft picks, because they picked an offensive and a defensive player in the first round, right? If those two guys are good, and then the rest of the draft class is just like, you know, rookies, like they're they still learn the game and they're sort of mediocre, right? If two of them are good, then you're set, right? That's, I mean, I guess that's not the case for every single team because not every single team has a good draft and maybe they didn't fill their needs. But the Raiders, they, I feel like they got players for their needs. Now they just need one of them to be good, right? They drafted multiple players for the same need and now one of them needs to be good, right? And if you're thinking like your team didn't do well, I think about it in that way, and I think that makes me sleep better at night, right? Like, I don't know how it's going to turn out for all these guys. I wish them all the best. But for the sake of the team, just two of them, if two of them are good, then it's worth it, right? Good draft. Two, two out of six, two out of seven. If those two are good, that's fine, right? I'll be happy with one offensive player that makes a difference and one defensive player that makes a difference. And then we'll be fine.
And I think that I think I really do think that that's just the way to go. I think that makes, you know, your sports fandom easier, right? If you just think about it that way, instead of thinking, oh, we had a terrible draft, like the Green Bay Packers, right? They had like a draft that people were questioning, just think, okay, if two of them are good, it'll be fine, right? We'll get through the next season. It'll be fine. I'll have something to cheer for. Maybe we'll make it to the playoffs and beyond, you know? I think that's the way to go about this. But it also got me thinking, like, TV, like, when things go back to normal, right, TV, is there going to be a lot more of this sort of NBA desktop Skype call type of content? And, I mean, ESPN does this stuff, right? And, like, the news does this stuff where they'll have people call in or they'll have people do, like, a segment remotely, right? Like, around the horn, on ESPN. That's basically what it is. Like you can do around the horn from anywhere. You just need like a strong enough inter- internet connection from where you are, right? But I wonder if we'll see more of that in different ways and in innovative ways on TV and on like digital platforms, right? Like on YouTube, on Netflix maybe, or like how that's going to evolve because I think it there's potential there. Like people have shown that they will watch it. Now, will they watch it when there's other options? I don't know, right? But they've shown that they will watch it, and they've shown that they don't hate it, right? They've shown that they actually kind of like it. So where do we go from there? We, I don't think that people are going to completely abandon this format, which is probably cheaper, but also at the risk of like technical difficulties and all that stuff. So you have to worry about that, but probably you know, cheaper, probably something that we can work with, whether online or or otherwise. And if there are technical difficulties, if it's something that's sort of pre-recorded or pre-planned, then you can maybe work it into the show if it's a comedy at least, or work it into if you're doing like some type of drama, work the technical difficulty into the show, right? And then have like the improvisation moments from the technical difficulty, you might get something really good out of it, right? Like we already have like IGTV and Quibi doing this like vertical stuff. Like I think we can, I think there's something here. I'm not an expert, you know, I'm not someone who knows every single thing about every single thing. And that's not the point of this podcast. This whole podcast is called What is a Podcast? Just to talk about my thoughts and all this stuff. And sometimes I get meta and podcasts about podcasting. It's a good time, right? But what I do know is that there's people out there, some big brained, important executives that are not going to let this go. Not easy. They're not going to just give it up right away because people are watching it and there's no way it costs more money than how, how we've done traditional TV. There's no way, right? And the same thing with like Instagram lives and stuff like people are doing Instagram live shows. And I mean, you could easily port that over to Twitch. There is, you know, a way to do Instagram live shows on a more high tech, stable background. Right. But Instagram live is easy. Right. All you need to do Instagram live is an Instagram account to do something like Twitch. You need like gear. Like, you need, like, a webcam, you need, like, another camera, you need multiple monitors, you need to be able to, you know, see the chat. Like, to do Twitch, you need, like, startup, 
right? You need like a foundation, right? Twitch is like there's money to be made from Twitch, but there's money that you have to invest to even do it, right? I think that's the difference between YouTube and Twitch. Like YouTube, you don't need as much money to start up. I mean, it is, you know, investing in a camera and all that stuff. I need to invest in a, a better camera. My camera right now, like the YouTube videos I posted, like I've still posted them because like I feel like what I say is valuable in them, but in them, the video quality is sort of deteriorating. So I need something new. Um, quarantine, I don't have, you know, the same money coming in. I'm still getting money, but I don't have the same money coming in. So that's a yikes. But enough about me. This, uh, we're, we're talking about the future, right? Because we have like the Instagram live stuff, right? Tory Lanez is doing it. A whole bunch of people are doing it. Creating shows on Instagram live, right? And to be honest, I find Instagram Live horribly inefficient. I find Twitch horribly inefficient as well. I, the reason I got into podcasts, like listening to podcasts, is because I couldn't do Twitch. Like Twitch just isn't for me, right? Because if I'm on Instagram Live, if I'm enjoying the live, I can't do anything else. My phone is tethered to the live, right? Because if, if I go somewhere else, right... If I leave the live stream, I can't be bothered to come back to the live stream. I just can't, right? I, I'm, it's just inefficient to me. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I know that I am not everyone and people are liking this. Like, I like the content that comes from live streams. I just can't stay for the live stream. Like, my attention span doesn't work that way. Like, I don't want to stare at my phone like this and not be able to easily go somewhere else and go check my Twitter, check my actual Instagram feed, check TikTok, whatever it is. I want to be able to do that at the same time. And yeah, I could bring up my computer, but I don't use Twitter on my computer. Are you fucking me? Absolutely not. I don't do that. So I I just, I don't like Instagram Live that much. Like I don't like staying on Instagram Live. I'll pop in for a little bit, a few minutes, get my get my fix and then I'll get get out of there right but seeing how popular it is and what the content can be I feel like that can evolve you might see new features coming from Instagram to try and be a competitor to Twitch I can see that happening as well right cuz you can go live on Instagram you can go live on TikTok all that stuff but it's still very very casual right? Even if you have like the DJ battles or the Tory Laneses of the world, the talent shows, it's still very, very casual, very simple, right? If you can put some technology in there to make it more like Twitch, sort of like what they're trying with IGTV, like IGTV and their setup and like creating like series on IGTV and doing a whole bunch of like curation for IGTV, right? If you're going to put technology into that, you might want to put technology into the live stream, right? And have it be sort of a competitor to Twitch and enable like people to get money off of this, right? Like donations, ads, I don't know, right? But if people can get money off the live stream and like donations and stuff, right? Since Instagram is so easily accessible, right? You don't need like to create a new Twitch account. You don't need to do any of that stuff, right? If that's the case, 
then that that could be something as well. Like the future of entertainment, I think, is gonna come from this quarantine. Like just how we do things, like and in a cheaper way too. Like more online, it can still be on regular TV, right? It can still like be thrown up on the the silver screen, so to speak. But it's going to be different or it could potentially be different another thing is like these like athletes doing like video game tournaments like mlb is doing mlb the show like the video game tournaments and that's all well and good i've seen some of the reactions from that and that's all fine it's just what sucks about that is you have to use your own team like they have one representative from each major league team and they're playing against other people online on twitch all that stuff right but if you're on a garbage team, like you have to play as your own team. So if you're on, say, the Seattle Mariners, you have to play as a Seattle Mariners. But if the Seattle Mariners are bad, right, you're stuck with a bad team. You're at a disadvantage, right? Where someone on a good team, right, they're fine. They're at a, they're smooth sailing, right? And it helps them, you know, advance more in the tournament. But hey, what can you do? I guess you have to keep it sort of level playing field in some way or like equitable in some way. So you can't have people like creating super teams, but some teams are just not good. Right. And there's entertainment to be had. But I feel like with like the video game aspect of it from these people who are not Twitch streamers, like people who stream like Fortnite. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about people who do not usually do this, who are now doing this. Right. I'm not watching you play video games. I'm not here for the video game. I'm here for you, right? I'm here for your dumbass playing video games. So that's where I need to see some personality. I need to see some reaction. I need to see some yelling, stuff like that. Um, but anyway, last thing I want to talk about is someone who just got on my radar recently. And I don't know if this person is on your radar because I really did not know who this person was. But there's a YouTuber out there somewhere in the the internet named Susie Lu. S-U-Z-Y-L-U. She is a Scottish woman. Um, I clocked a Scottish accent coming from her, but I don't know much about her. But seems to have a little bit of a Scottish accent. And she is a gamer slash reaction channel. And she reacts to anime. She plays some games, all that stuff, right? And on its face, that seems normal, right? That seems fine. Like, just, you know, a woman in Scotland playing games and watching anime. There's nothing wrong with that. So, on my feed, on my YouTube feed, I saw someone talking about Susie Lou, And it was someone who I'm not, like, a fan of or not, like, subscribed to. It was someone who I watched, like, once. Like, a one-off video. And then... They made another video about Susie Lou, and they're like, we need to talk about Susie Lou. Susie Lou is important. And I'm like, who the hell is Susie Lou? I have no idea. So, Susie Lou is apparently like filing copyright claims against other people. And I thought this was interesting and worth talking about because the title of like the Susie Lou video, like the responding to Susie Lou, is like, Susie Lou is the death of YouTube. Susie Lou is a terrible person. I'm scared of Susie Lou. Like, I'm legitimately scared to be talking about this. And when I clicked on the first video, I was like, oh my god. 
is Susie Lou threatening? Is she like violent? Is she like beating people up? What's going on? And it's not any of that. It's filing copyright claims. And I'm not saying that Susie Lou is a good person. I think that Susie Lou has done maybe some questionable things. Like I was reading, I was getting into it. I was getting into the rabbit hole of it. I don't have all the details because I didn't watch every video because quite frankly, I don't have enough time, right? Every video about Susie Lou is like 25 minutes long and there is seemingly an abundance of videos. So I couldn't listen to or watch every single video, right? But basically, people have been getting copyright claims from Susie Lou because they were using like her image or her videos in their videos, like they're reacting or they're creating commentary on Susie Lou, right? And she was getting those videos taken down because she didn't like how they were using them or they were using her face without proper credit or they were using them in a defamatory way. I don't know exactly, right? But then I was like, okay, this isn't that serious, right? This is not the end of anything. I thought this is not very serious. But everyone seems to be taking this seriously because if you lose your channel or if you get enough copyright strikes, you can, your channel goes kaput. YouTube uses a very much three strikes and you're out sort of system. So I get it in that way, right? Once I was listening and watching a little bit more, I was like, okay, this is a little bit more serious than what I thought. But still, I thought it was a little bit overblown, right? And then people were talking about, well, Susie Liu needs a taste of her own medicine because she reacts to anime and her anime reactions are copyrightable. They're strikeable, right? They're not repurposing the anime content in a proper way, right? And I was like, all right, now these people are forcing me to watch Susie Liu videos. I didn't want to do that necessarily, but now these people are making me do this because they were saying that Susie Liu is filing a copyright claim because there's an issue over like the fair use law, which fair use is confusing. And the very point of fair use is that it's case by case, but also like the problem with fair use is that it's case by case. So really no one is satisfied at the end of the day because every fair use could be like two situations where the exact same measures are taken. One can be falling under fair use and the other one could be violating fair use. And then you're like, well, what the hell? I don't know what's going on here, right? So fair use is a sticky subject. But when it comes to Susie Lou, they're saying Susie Lou herself violates fair use because she reacts to anime and she doesn't do it right. She doesn't add anything to the anime. She doesn't, you know, react to the proper length of the anime, whatever. They're saying she reacts to basically the entire episode of the anime and that's not proper, right? You have to, you know, repurpose it. Yes, to fall under fair use. And they're saying she does not repurpose her anime. She just watches TV, basically, right? So I had to see for myself. I had to see, does Susie Liu actually violate fair use? So I watched a ton of Susie Liu videos, right? And I'm like, I don't know who this person is. And now I'm watching a ton of Susie Liu videos. And one of the main criticisms for Susie Liu was that she was just sitting and watching TV and it was called a reaction video, but she wasn't really reacting and she wasn't providing her thoughts, right? And I have to say, 
I think that's a little bit of an exaggeration. Susie Liu might be a bad person. I don't know for sure yet. I'm probably going to go further into this rabbit hole because this person who I didn't know of three days ago is now all in my feed now. But I, I was watching her My Hero Academia reaction, right? I was watching a My Hero Academia reaction. I figured My Hero is sort of something that's easy to get into, right? It's something that's easy to understand. The learning curve is not too high, right? And if you don't watch anime... Like, you can like My Hero. Like, if you don't watch anime at all, you think anime is, like, cancer to society. If you think that, you can still like My Hero, right? That's, like, it's an easy, like, jump-in anime. It's like a gateway drug anime. It's like the weed of anime, right? Like, there are a lot of people who say, I will never do drugs, but I smoke weed. That's what My Hero is, right? And I figured, easy to react to, easy to sort of commentate easy to react to so if you can't do that then we have a problem here right so i watched my hero academia reactions and i did think that she did give a reaction she you know reacted at big points she was like i don't like this i do like this you know going off on what she hated what she loved which character she likes you know giving a whole lot of that right and i think that that's a proper reaction although i do think that one of the criticisms leveled against Susie Liu that was accurate is that she does watch a lot of the episode, right? So I've seen reaction channels before that react to different TV shows, and they have to chop up the episode. They have to only react to a certain portions of the episode because using too much of the episode, I guess, violates fair use. Like, you're just watching TV at this point. And Susie Liu seem to watch a lot of the episode, right? Like, I would say more than half of the episode was on the YouTube channel for free. And I get where you're coming from there. But I do think that she gave a proper reaction. But then, I was like, okay, My Hero is sort of easy, right? Not saying My Hero is bad at all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's just sort of easy watching, right? It's not, especially like season one, which something I also found fishy was that only season one is on YouTube, and she seems to like it a lot. So if you like season one so much, why is it only season one when there are four seasons of My Hero Academia that you could react to and potentially make money from YouTube, but there's only season one, and you sort of stop there? So that was fishing to me, unless they got taken down or something like that, but season one was on there. And I was like, okay, that's more or less a proper reaction. So I went to Naruto, right? I went to her Naruto video, and she did give, I think, a a reaction, right? Whether you like it or not is up to you. Whether you think it's good entertainment is up to you. But I do think she gave a reaction to the anime, right? I don't think she necessarily reviewed it. Like, I've seen other reviewers or reactors, and they give, like, their thoughts at the end, like, in a detail, like, what happened, what they liked, what they didn't like. And she didn't really do that. There's not a whole lot at the end to wrap it up or their sort of thoughts behind it, right? It was just, like, a reaction, the end sort of thing. And maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough for YouTube to say, all right, fair use, cool, right? Maybe. But I do think there are some criticisms there, but to say that she's not reacting, from what I've seen, seems inaccurate, right? And then, 
there was an issue of Susie Liu, who has about like 300, 400,000 subscribers, which is, you know, a good amount, but not anything unheard of, not like astronomical numbers here, right? So she apparently has like contacts at YouTube. Like apparently when you have 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, like you get a contact person that can help you with YouTube issues or clarifications or things of that nature, right? All that, again, checks out. That seems fine. But apparently, she has contacts at YouTube that go so far that are going to protect her from things that wouldn't protect smaller creators or other creators, which makes no sense to me. Like, it, it's not far-fetched that that would actually happen. It doesn't make sense that someone would go out of the way for this person, right? When there are way more other people who are more successful, who have better numbers, who bring in more revenue to YouTube, right? Why are you protecting this one person? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But then the the, the videos I came in to sort of attacking Susie Lou or accusing Su Susie Lou of poor behavior, they were going into so much detail about the context at YouTube and how YouTube is bending the rules for Susie Lou when they are not bending the rules for other people. And I was like, what is going on here? How is a Susie Lou who is seemingly just a regular person, is she behind the scenes just like YouTube's actual leader? Like, is the people at YouTube just figureheads and Susie Lou is a puppet master and Susie Lou runs YouTube? Is that what is going on here? This person who I've never heard of before is running YouTube? This person who has... 300 something thousand subscribers not pewdiepie not pewdiepie um well i don't know the other people who are at the top um not those people it's Susie lou this scottish woman this poor scottish woman reacting to video games and anime that's who runs youtube and i was like everything that the people that were attacking Susie lou said made sense right and Susie Liu's responses, from what I've seen, again, I haven't seen everything. It seemed like Susie Liu was in the wrong here. It's just what doesn't make sense to me is how this person can run YouTube, essentially. That's what it seems like. How this person is so powerful. That doesn't make sense. How did Susie Liu amass this power? Like, how did she stockpile all the clout that she can get YouTube to sort of bend at her will? Like, YouTube is just her puppet, and she's continuing to make fat stacks of cash because of YouTube. And then there was some other controversy about, like, Patreon and Discord and mass flagging videos and all that stuff. And I think, you know, the mass flagging videos is not that cool right? Like getting people's videos taken down when they shouldn't be, when they're not violating any rules, not cool. I also think sort of on Susie Liu, right? People making fun of you, like people were making fun of her appearance a little bit, like making fun of like facial features that she has. She's a regular looking person, right? If you look up Susie Liu, S-U-Z-Y-L-U, you'll see she's a regular looking person. There's nothing like abnormal, about her her features i guess but when you go and see like people are making fun of her appearance people are making fun of her being like kind of dumb like they think she's dumb they think they've caught her in a lie 
in Susie Lou's perspective, right, if people are making fun of me constantly, I can see wanting to take that down. I can see like wanting to file a copyright claim and being like, yo, this person's using my image. They are tarnishing my name. They're dragging me through the mud and I don't like it. So get it out of here. I can see wanting to do that. Whether it's right to do that, I don't know. But it's so, I just was like, whoa, this person might run YouTube. This person might be the supreme leader of YouTube. And it's just under all of our noses. Like even the people who are talking about Susie Lou now. And it's a lot of people who have picked up the story, right? Even those people, right? I don't think they're connecting the dots here is that Susie Lou runs YouTube, right? If she has only this amount of subscribers and they're the YouTube algorithm and the YouTube workers are bending their backs to protect Suzy Liu from all the attacks that are being thrown at her, from people trying to get her channel taken down for a copyright, for people saying that she is falsely spewing out copyrights and something should be done, for people, you know, tarnishing her name and saying that this is a bad person, for YouTube to defend her, right? The algorithm, the bots, the employees, whatever, to defend her, right? All that says to me is that Susie Lou runs YouTube. I don't know how she did it. I don't know how she infiltrated HQ all the way in Scotland when YouTube is headquartered in Mountain View. But all I know is Susie Lou runs YouTube. And if you don't know, or if you don't think so, I encourage you to check it out. I think you can make the same connections I did. Um, but anyway, it's getting late. I have to go to work tomorrow. Um, Got to preserve my voice. So I'm going to end it here. On that note, that Susie Lou runs YouTube. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening, paying attention, watching, wherever you are. Um, yeah, love you, be safe, and yeah, goodbye.